Hello and welcome to Leftist Reading, a podcast where I'm a leftist and I read things. Today we are continuing with the curriculum of Marxism and Leninism. We finished up at chapter one, so we're now moving on to chapter two, which is called Materialist Dialectics, so I think it's going to cover a phrase that gets bandied about a lot and probably clarify a lot more of what exactly it does and it does not cover. So let's dive in. Chapter 2 Materialist Dialectics Materialist dialectics is one of the basic theoretical parts that form the worldview and philosophical methodology of Marxism-Leninism. It is the science of common relations, and also the science of common rules of motion and development of nature, society, and human thoughts. Dialectics, as understood by Marx, and also in conformity with Hegel, includes what is now called the theory of knowledge, or epistemology. Footnote 1. Note, epistemology is the theoretical study of knowledge. For more information, see Cognitive Theory of Dialectical Materialism. 1. Dialectics and Materialist Dialectics 1. Dialectics and Basic Forms of Dialectics A. Definitions of Dialectics and the Subjective Dialectic In Marxism-Leninism, the term dialectic refers to regular relationships, interactions, transformations, motions, and developments of things, phenomena, and processes in nature, society, and human thought. Footnote 2. There are two forms of dialectic, the objective dialectic and the subjective dialectic. The objective dialectic is the dialectic of the material world, while the subjective dialectic is the reflection of objective dialectic in human consciousness. See annotation 68. <clears throat> See annotation 68. According to Engels, quote, Dialectics, so-called objective dialectics, prevail throughout nature, and so-called subjective dialectics, dialectical thought, is only the reflection of the motion through opposites which asserts itself everywhere in nature, and which, by the continual conflict of the opposites and their final passage into one another or into higher forms, determines the life of nature. End quote. Footnote 3. Annotation 96. Dialectics is an umbrella term which includes both forms of dialectical systems, subjective and objective dialectics. Objective dialectics are the dialectical processes which occur in the material world, including all motion, relationships, and dynamic changes which occur in space and time. Subjective dialectics, or dialectical thought, is a system of analysis and organized thinking which aims to reflect the objective dialectics of the material world within human consciousness. Dialectical thinking has two component forms, dialectical materialism and materialist dialectics. See annotation 49. Subjective dialectics is the theory that studies and summarizes the objective dialectic of nature into a system with scientific principles and rules. In order to build a system of methodological principles of perceptions and practice, dialectics is opposed to metaphysics, a system of thought which conceives of things and phenomena in the world in an isolated and unchanging state. 
see annotation 8. B. Basic forms of dialectics. Dialectics has been developed into three basic forms and levels. Ancient primitive dialectics, German idealist dialectics, and the materialist dialectics of Marxism-Leninism. Ancient primitive dialectics is the earliest form of dialectics. It has developed independently in many philosophical systems in ancient China, India, and Greece. Chinese philosophy has two major forms of ancient primitive dialectics. Changing theory, a theory of common principles and rules pertaining to the changes in the universe. The five elements theory, a theory of the principles of mutual impact and transformation of the five elements of the universe, of the school of yin-yang. See primitive materialism. In Indian philosophy, Buddhist philosophy is a quintessential, see annotation 6, form of ancient primitive dialectics, which includes such concepts as selflessness, impermanence, and predestination. An ancient primitive form of dialectics also developed in ancient Greek philosophy. Friedrich Engels wrote, quote, the old Greek philosophers were all born natural dialecticians, and Aristotle, the most encyclopedic of them, had already analyzed the most essential forms of dialectic thought. This primitive, naive, but intrinsically correct conception of the world is that of ancient Greek philosophy, and was first clearly formulated by Heraclitus. Everything is and is not, for everything is fluid, is constantly changing, constantly coming into being, and passing away. End quote. Footnote 4. Engels also wrote of Greek dialectics, quote, Here dialectical thought still appears in its pristine simplicity, as yet undisturbed by the charming obstacles which the metaphysicists of the 17th and 18th centuries, Bacon and Locke in England, Wolf in Germany, put in its own way. Among the Greeks, just because they were not yet advanced enough to dissect and analyze nature, nature is still viewed as a whole in general. The universal connection of natural phenomena is not proved in regard to particular. To the Greeks, it is the result of direct contemplation. End quote. Footnote 5. Annotation 97. Engels here is explaining how the ancient Greek dialecticians were correct to view nature as a cohesive system, a whole in general, which they determined through direct observation of the natural world. The major shortcoming of this ancient Greek form of dialectics was a lack of inquiry into the specific processes and principles of nature. Engels laments that 17th and 18th century metaphysicists took us backwards by disregarding this view of nature as a cohesive general whole. Ancient primitive dialectics had an accurate awareness of the dialectical characteristic of the world, but with its primitive and naive perspective, it still lacked evidence-based forms of natural scientific achievements. Jumping forward to the late 16th century, natural sciences started developing rapidly in Europe. Scientists began deeply analyzing and studying specific factors and phenomena of nature which led to the birth of modern European metaphysical analysis. In the 18th century, 
metaphysics became the dominant methodology in philosophical thought and scientific study. However, when natural scientists moved from studying each subject separately to studying the unification of all those subjects in their relationships, the metaphysical method proved insufficient. Thus, European scientists and philosophers had to transition into a more advanced system of thought, dialectical thought. The classic German idealist dialectics were founded by Kant and completed by Hegel. According to Engels, quote, The second form of dialectics, which is the form that comes closest to the German naturalists, natural scientists, is classical German philosophy, from Kant to Hegel. End quote. Footnote 6. Annotation 98. Engels discusses this history and the shortcomings of the metaphysical philosophy of his era in the old preface to Anti-During. First, Engels explains why early modern natural scientists initially did not feel constrained by their adherence to metaphysics, since inquiries in the initial revolution of scientific study were limited to the narrow development of specific fields of inquiry by necessity. Quote, Empirical natural science has accumulated such a tremendous mass of positive material for knowledge that the necessity of classifying it in each separate field of investigation systematically and in accordance with its inner interconnection has become absolutely imperative. End quote. Engels goes on to explain that at the time he was writing, enough knowledge had been accumulated within specific distinct fields that it becomes necessary to begin studying the connections and overlaps between different fields, which called for theoretical and philosophical foundations. Quote, it is becoming equally imperative to bring the individual spheres of knowledge into the correct connection with one another. In doing so, however, natural science enters the field of theory, and here the methods of empiricism will not work. Here only theoretical thinking can be of assistance. End quote. Unfortunately, natural scientists were held back by the existing metaphysical theoretical foundations which were dominant at the time as, according to Engels, quote, Theoretical thinking is an innate quality only as regards natural capacity. This natural capacity must be developed, improved, and for its improvement, there is as yet no other means than the study of previous philosophy. End quote. Metaphysical theory and formal logic were in common use by natural scientists at the time. As Engels explained in On Dialectics and Dialectics of Nature, Metaphysics and formal logic could never be as useful as dialectical analysis for examining and unifying concepts from wide-ranging dynamic systems of overlapping fields of inquiry. Unfortunately, dialectics had not yet been suitably developed for use in the natural scientists before the work of Marx and Engels in developing dialectical materialism. As Engels explained in On Dialectics, quote, Formal logic itself has been the arena of violent controversy from the time of Aristotle to the present day, and dialectics has so far been fairly closely investigated by only two thinkers, Aristotle and Hegel. But it is precisely dialectics that constitutes the most important form of thinking for present-day natural science, 
for it alone offers the analog for, and thereby the method of, explaining the evolutionary processes occurring in nature, interconnections in general, and transitions from one field of investigation to another. End quote. The idealist dialectics of Hegel, see annotation 9, constituted a major development of dialectics, but the idealist nature of Hegelian dialectics made them unsuitable for natural scientists, who therefore discarded old Hegelian dialectics and were thus left without a suitable dialectical framework. Again, from On Dialectics, quote, The year 1848, which otherwise brought nothing to a conclusion in Germany, accomplished a complete revolution there only in the sphere of philosophy, and the nation resolutely turned its back on classical German philosophy that had lost itself in the sands of Berlin, old Hegelianism. But a nation that wants to climb the pinnacles of science cannot possibly manage without theoretical thought. Not only Hegelianism, but dialectics too was thrown overboard. And that just at the moment when the dialectical character of natural processes irresistibly forced itself upon the mind, when therefore only dialectics could be of assistance to natural science in negotiating the mountain of theory, and so there was a helpless relapse into the old metaphysics. End quote. Engels goes on to explain that, having rejected Hegel's dialectics, natural scientists were set adrift, cobbling together theoretical frameworks from the works of philosophers which were plagued by idealism and metaphysics, and which were therefore not suitable for the task of unifying the disparate fields of natural sciences together. Quote, what prevailed among the public since then were, on the one hand, the vapid reflections of Schopenhauer, which were fashioned to fit the Philistines, and later even those of Hartmann, and, on the other hand, the vulgar itinerant preacher materialism of a Voigt and a Buchner. At the universities, the most diverse varieties of eclecticism competed with one another, and had only one thing in common, namely, that they were concocted from nothing but remnants of old philosophies and were all equally metaphysical. All that was saved from the remnants of classical philosophy was a certain neo-Kantianism whose last word was the eternally unknowable thing in itself, that is, the bit of Kant, see annotation 72, that least merited preservation. The final result was the incoherence and confusion of theoretical thought now prevalent. End quote. Engels explains that this lack of a proper dialectical materialist framework had frustrated natural scientists of his era. Quote, one can scarcely pick up a theoretical book on natural science without getting the impression that natural scientists themselves feel how much they are dominated by this incoherence and confusion, and that the so-called philosophy now current offers them absolutely no way out. And here there really is no other way out, no possibility of achieving clarity than by a return, in one form or another, from metaphysical to dialectical thinking. End quote. After explaining that Hegel's system of dialectics came closest to meeting the needs of contemporary science, Engels explains why Hegelian dialectics were ultimately rejected by the scientific community. Quote, 
just as little can it be a question of maintaining the dogmatic content of the Hegelian system as it was preached by the Berlin Hegelians of the older and younger line. Hence, with the fall of the idealist point of departure, the system built upon it, in particular Hegelian philosophy of nature, also falls. It must, however, be recalled that the natural scientists' polemic against Hegel, insofar as they at all correctly understood him, was directed solely against these two points, the the idealist point of departure and the arbitrary fact-defying construction of the system. End quote. In other words, it was the idealism and the unworkable structuring of Hegelian dialectics that prevented its adoption by natural scientists. Engels finally explains how Marx was able to modify Hegel's idealist dialectics into a materialist form which is suitable for empirical scientific inquiry. Quote, it is the merit of Marx that he was the first to have brought to the fore again the forgotten dialectical method, its connections with Hegelian dialectics and its distinction from the latter, and at the same time to have applied this method in capital to the facts of an empirical science, political economy. End quote. These classical German philosophers, Kant, Hegel, etc. Footnote 7. Systematically organized idealist dialectics into formal philosophies. Of particular note was Hegel's belief that the dialectical process would eventually lead to an absolute idea. The foundational belief in an absolute idea is what chiefly defines Hegelian dialectics as idealist in nature. See annotation 98. Hegel believed that the subjective dialectic is the basis of the objective dialectic. In other words, Hegel believed that dialectical thought served as the objective dialectics of the material world. According to Hegel, the absolute idea was the starting point of all existence, and that this absolute idea, after creating the natural world, then came to exist within human consciousness. Hegel wrote that in Hegelian dialectics, quote, spirit, mind, the idea, is primary, and that the real world is only a copy of the idea. End quote. Footnote 8. Annotation 99. In the above quoted passage, Engels was explaining why Hegelian dialectics were unsuitable for use in natural sciences. Here is a longer excerpt. Quote, First of all, it must be established that here it is not at all a question of defending Hegel's point of departure, that spirit, mind, the idea, is primary and that the real world is only a copy of the idea. We all agree that in every field of science, in natural as in historical science, one must proceed from the given facts. In natural science, therefore, from the various material forms and the various forms of motion of matter, that therefore in theoretical natural science too, the interconnections are not to be built into the facts, but to be discovered in them, and when discovered, to be verified as far as possible by experiment. The German idealists, most notably Hegel, built an idealist system of dialectics organized into categories and common laws along with a strict logic of consciousness. Lenin stated that, quote, Hegel brilliantly divined the dialectics of things, phenomena, the world, nature, into the dialectics of concepts. End quote. Footnote 9. 
annotation 100. What Lenin means here is that Hegel inadvertently and unconsciously discovered the concept of reflection. See annotation 68. Hegel intuitively understood that the material world was reflected in human consciousness, and by extension, subjective dialectics, dialectical thought, reflected objective dialectics of the material world. Hegel's error was an inversion of the ideal and the material. As Marx later pointed out in the afterword to the second German edition of Capital, Volume 1, it is the material which precedes the ideal, and not the other way around. Quote, My dialectical method is not only different from the Hegelian, but is its direct opposite. To Hegel, the life process of the human brain, i.e. the process of thinking, which, under the name of the idea, he even transforms into an independent subject, is the demiurgos, craftsman, artisan, creator, of the real world, and the real world is only the external phenomenal form of the idea. With me, on the contrary, the ideal is nothing else than the material world reflected by the human mind and translated into forms of thought. Engels also quoted and emphasized Marx's thoughts in the old preface to Anti-During, citing another quote of Marx from the afterword to the second German edition of Capital, Volume 1, further quoted in Annotation 100 previously. Quote, The mystification which dialectics suffers in Hegel's hands by no means prevents him from being the first to present its general form of working in a comprehensive and conscious manner. With him, it is standing on its head. It must be turned right side up again. If you would discover the rational kernel within the mystical shell. End quote. Footnote 10. In the old preface to Anti-During, Engels explains some of the contemporary currents of science and philosophy of his era. Engels explains that Hegelian philosophy had been dismissed by a newer current of natural scientists who dismissed Quote, the idealist point of departure and the arbitrary fact-defying construction of the system, end quote. In other words, the natural scientists rejected Hegelianism because it was both idealist and it was not built on a foundation of objective facts. Engels points out, however, that Marx, quote, was the first to have brought to the fore again the forgotten dialectical method of Hegel. The dialectical method was forgotten in the sense that the natural scientists ignored and dismissed dialectics along with the rest of Hegel's philosophy. So, Engels is pointing out that one of the greatest contributions of Marx was salvaging the dialectical method from Hegel while rejecting the idealist and non-fact-based characteristics of Hegelian philosophy. Marx, according to Engels, proved that the dialectical method could be separated from idealism by, quote, applying the dialectical method in capital to the facts of an empirical science, political economy, end quote. This was the origin of dialectical materialism, the resurrection of the dialectical method, and the development of a dialectical method in a materialist and scientific form. The idealist characteristics of classical German dialectics and Hegelian philosophy was a limitation that needed to be overcome so that it could be utilized for scientific inquiry. Marx and Engels overcame that limitation and in so doing developed materialist dialectics. 
This system of dialectics is the most advanced form of dialectics in the history of philosophy to date. It is the successor of previous systems of dialectics, and it arose as a critique of the classical German dialectics. Engels said, quote, Marx and I were pretty well the only people to rescue conscious dialectics from German idealist philosophy and apply it in the materialist conception of nature and history. Footnote 11. 2. Materialist Dialectics A. Definition of Materialist Dialectics Materialist dialectics have been defined in various ways by many prominent Marxist-Leninist philosophers. Engels defined materialist dialectics as, quote, nothing more than the science of the general laws of motion and development of nature, human society, and thought, end quote. Footnote 12. Engels also emphasized the role of the principle of general relations. Footnote 13. As John Burden Sanderson Haldane noticed in the 1939 preface to the Dialectics of Nature, quote, In dialectics, they, Marx and Engels, saw the science of the general laws of change. End quote. Footnote 14. Lenin emphasized the important role of the principles of development, footnote 15, including the theory of cognitive development, in the dialectics that Marx inherited from Hegelian philosophy. Lenin wrote, quote, The main achievement was dialectics, i.e. the doctrine of development in its fullest, deepest, and most comprehensive form, the doctrine of the relativity of human knowledge that provides us with a reflection of eternally developing matter. End quote. Footnote 16. Basic Features and Roles of Materialist Dialectics there are two basic features of the materialist dialectics of Marxism-Leninism. First, the materialist dialectics of Marxism-Leninism is a system of dialectics that is based on the foundation of the scientific materialist viewpoint. Annotation 102. Remember that scientific in Marxism-Leninism refers broadly to a systematic pursuit of knowledge, research, theory, and understanding. See Objects and Purposes of Study. Remember also that materialism in Marxism-Leninism has specific meaning as well, which differentiates it from other forms of materialism. See Dialectical Materialism, the most advanced form of materialism. Here, materialism includes an understanding that the material is the first basis of reality, meaning that the material determines the ideal. Though human consciousness can impact the material world through willpower and labor, see nature and structure of consciousness. Materialism is also built upon scientific explanations, rooted in empirical data and practice, i.e. systematic experimentation and observation of the world. And finally, remember that viewpoint is the starting point of inquiry. See annotation 11. Thus, a scientific materialist viewpoint is a perspective which begins analysis of the world in a manner that is both scientifically systematic in pursuit of understanding and firmly rooted in a materialist conception of the world. Note, materialist dialectics contains 12 basic pairs of categories, 2 basic principles, and 3 universal laws. 
These are summarized respectively in Appendix A, Appendix B, and Appendix C, and explained in depth throughout the rest of this chapter. In this way, materialist dialectics fundamentally differs from the classical German idealist dialectics, and especially differs from Hegelian dialectics. Footnote 17. As these dialectics were founded on idealist viewpoints. Moreover, it also has a higher level of development compared to other dialectical systems of thought found in the history of philosophy going back to ancient times. Such previous forms of dialectics were fundamentally based on materialist stances. However, the materialism of those ancient times was still naive, primitive, and surface level. Second, the materialist dialectics of Marxism-Leninism unifies dialectical materialist viewpoints and materialist dialectical methodology, so it not only explains the world, it is also a tool for humans to perceive and improve the world. Every principle and law of Marxist-Leninist materialist dialectics is both 1. an accurate explanation of the dialectical characteristics of the world, 2 a scientific methodology for perceiving and improving the world. By summarizing the general interconnections and development of all things, every phenomenon in nature, society, and human thought, Marxist-Leninist materialist dialectics provides the most general methodology principles for the purpose of perceiving and improving the world. They are not just objective methodological principles, they are a comprehensive constantly developing, and historical methodology. With these basic features, materialist dialectics plays a very important role in the worldview and philosophical methodology of Marxism-Leninism. Materialist dialectics are the foundation of the scientific and revolutionary characteristics of Marxism-Leninism, and also offer the most general worldview and methodology for creative activities in scientific study and practical activities. And that is going to do it for this week. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or suggestions, you can email leftistreading at gmail.com or contact the show on Twitter at leftistreading. Our intro and outro music is Decisions by Eric Medias. You can find it and more of his work on soundimage.org. This show is hosted on the Abnormal Mapping Network. You can go to abnormalmapping.com to find this and lots of other leftist podcasts and go to patreon.com slash abnormalmapping to support the network and get extra bonus shows there too. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening and keep reading.